Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to another episode of Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. I'm your host, Noura Sahar Ahmed. Do you remember the last dream you had? Some mornings I find that the dream I was just experiencing is still buzzing in my brain and begging to be remembered. Other days, it will take a random event or object to trigger the memory of a dream I'd had the night before. And I'm sure I've entirely forgotten countless dreams. The ones that do stay with you can, of course, vary in their import. Some of them act as funny stories to tell to friends, and others are full-blown nightmares. In many religions and cultures, however, dreams are more than the work of an overactive brain, which result in fancies that can be interesting but are ultimately meaningless. In ancient Egyptian culture, for example, dreams were regarded as hugely significant. In their view, the dream world existed between the land of the living and another world inhabited by the spirits of the dead. Dreams were this communication from those entities. Many ancient Egyptians were meticulous about recording their dreams and their interpretations. Dreaming about the moon, for example, was a good thing, but seeing oneself in a mirror could be a bad sign. To take a more modern example of the potential significance of dreams, founder of psychoanalysis Sigmund Freud stipulated in his 1899 work that, and to quote him, the interpretation of dreams is the royal road to a knowledge of the unconscious activities of the mind, meaning that the workings of the unconscious mind can be accessed through dreams. Carl Jung, a psychiatrist greatly influenced by the work of Freud, believed that dreams allow us to access something called the collective unconscious, a theoretical repository of information that everyone shares. In the Abrahamic faiths, dreams and their interpretations have a profound and particular significance, and are viewed as a channel through which God can communicate his divine message. It was through a dream that the prophet Abraham, peace be on him, saw that he had to sacrifice his eldest son, Ismail. The life entire of the prophet Joseph, peace be on him, revolved around dreams and interpretation. The Islamic call to prayer, known as the Azan, had its inception through a dream, and it was on account of a dream that the holy prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, marched peacefully to Herbedia with 1400 Muslims in an attempt to perform pilgrimage. The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be on him, emphasized the significance of dreams and their interpretation in his writings and discourses. It was his habit to listen carefully to every person's dreams, and sometimes he would give a note. In fact, he has elaborated on the relationship between dreams and the afterlife, writing, One might say that the dreamland is a kind of reflection or a photograph of the world yet to come. That is the reason why death and dreams have been spoken of as real sisters. It is, therefore, befitting for the wise and the thinkers, if they are keen on acquiring some knowledge of the happenings of the next world, that they must ponder and deliberate over the happenings in the dreams, because the wonders of the world to come are not unlike the wonders of the dreamland. Today, I'm joined by our guests, Ifit Mirza and Nadia Ahmed, to discuss the significance of dreams in different cultures and their own personal understanding of dreaming. Ifit is a PhD student in Latin American and South Asian literature at the University of Cambridge, and Nadia is studying psychology at university. But first, a report by Gutsia Ahmed on different approaches to dreams and their interpretation. In 1797, the romantic poet Samuel Coleridge awoke from his sleep and immediately set about writing down the words of poetry that he had just been dreaming of. He wrote a handful of lines before he was interrupted by a caller at his house. After spending an hour away from his desk, he returned to find that, to quote the poet himself, all the rest had passed away like the images on the surface of a stream, 
into which a stone has been cast. Nearly twenty years later, he published the fragment of the poem titled Gubla Khan, with a preface explaining the circumstances which had led to its inception and had prevented it ever being finished. The poem has, at times, been treated as more of a psychological curiosity than a literary text. Coleridge himself was greatly interested in understanding the states of dreams and dreaming, sometimes even lecturing dinner guests on the reasons why distressing circumstances always seem to be more afflicting at night, when the body is in a horizontal position. His experience composing Gubla Khan was only one of many recorded attempts by Coleridge to understand and interpret dreams he had had. Discoveries being made whilst dreaming is not an experience that was unique to Coleridge. However, Dmitri Mendeleev, creator of the periodic table, envisioned the complete arrangement of the elements in a dream. Mary Shelley's 1818 novel Frankenstein was inspired by a dream. Paul McCartney dreamed of the melody to the Beatles song Yesterday. Such phenomena are one of the many reasons why dreams have fascinated both religious and secular thought for thousands of years. But what are dreams? Dreams are the stories that we see involuntarily during REM, or rapid eye movement, stage of sleep. The brain is more active here than in other stages, but muscle activity is actually inhibited within the central nervous system in order to promote paralysis. Dreams can contain images, ideas or sensations. They may be brief, fragmented or convey a meaning without following any straightforward plot or narrative. Despite how long they may feel to the dreamer, they usually last between 5 to 20 minutes. On average, we spend six years of our lives dreaming. In psychological thought, dreams can provide important information about the dreamer and their mental functions. For example, neuroscientist and sleep and dream researcher Rosalind Cartwright, known to her peers as the Queen of Dreams, suggested that dreams only reflect life events that are important to the dreamer. Cartwright et al. 2006 provided empirical support for her claims by studying women who were undergoing divorce. The women were asked to report how much they thought about their former spouses. They were also awakened during the REM sleep to provide details of their dreams, and the researchers found a positive correlation between the degree to which women thought about their former spouses when they were awake, and the number of times said former spouses appeared in their dreams. In religious and spiritual thought, however, dreams do not just reflect the conscious or subconscious thoughts of the dreamer but provide an insight to the afterlife and allow communion with the divine. Several ancient peoples like the Greco-Romans, the Byzantines or the Slavs sought to find answers regarding the curious phenomena of dreaming in the Bible. One example of an allusion to dream interpretation can be found in Genesis, chapter 41, verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard about you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. The story of Prophet Joseph, peace be on him, holds great significance within Islam too. An entire chapter of the Quran, Surah Yusuf, is devoted to him, and the narrative is punctuated with various dreams and their interpretation. In chapter 12, verse 5, the Quran states, 
Remember the time when Joseph said to his father, O my father, I saw in a dream eleven stars, and the sun and the moon. I saw them making obeisance to me. In the next verse, Joseph is warned by his father not to recount the dream to his brothers. Dreaming is given even weightier importance in the narrative when after being wrongfully imprisoned, Prophet Joseph, peace be on him, is asked by his fellow inmates to interpret their dreams. Verse 38 of the same chapter reads, He replied, The food which you are given shall not come to you, but I shall inform you of the interpretation thereof before it comes to you. This is on account of what my Lord has taught me. Joseph, peace be on him, is later asked to interpret the king's dream and accurately predicts a seven-year-long famine, gaining the king's respect and trust. It is through his work for the king that Joseph is reunited with his father and the brothers that initially betrayed him and contrived to have him removed from their home. Verse 101 reads, and he raised his parents upon the throne, and they all fell down prostrate before God for him. And he said, O my father, this is the fulfilment of my dream of old. My Lord has made it true, and he bestowed a favour upon me when he took me out of the prison and brought you from the desert after Satan had stirred up discord between me and my brethren. Surely my Lord is benignant to whomsoever he pleases, for he is the all-knowing, the wise. The potential for divine communication within dreams and the significance of dream interpretation is thus given weight in this chapter of the Quran. Dream interpretation has been a rich field of study in Islamic history. 14th century scholar Ibn Khaldun, for example, considered dream interpretation to be a science. Perhaps the most famous dream interpreter in Islamic history however, is the 8th century dream scholar Ibn Sirin, who thought that the interpretation of the content of a dream depends on the personal characteristics and life circumstances of the dreamer, as well as on the meaning itself. For example, once a man asked him to interpret a dream wherein he saw himself standing on the heap of filth and refuse. Ibn Sirin said that he would interpret this dream completely differently depending on whether the dreamer was righteous or a sinner. Since the dreamer was righteous, Ibn Sirin interpreted that his fine qualities are visible to everyone because a person like the one in his dream doesn't hide anything from the public eye. Thus, in Islamic dream theory, both the mental capacity and character of the dreamer, as well as the spiritual potential of dreaming, are taken into account when interpreting. Dreams, then, can take on different kinds of interpretation amongst different peoples and cultures. But one thing seems to be certain, that this phenomenon of involuntarily viewing stories whilst one sleeps has captured the imagination and fascination of people throughout history. You are listening to Faith in Focus. The Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Were you to put your complete trust in Allah, he would provide for you as he provides for the birds. They go out hungry in the morning and return filled in the evening.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Thank you, Kutsia, for that report. I'm now going to turn to my guest, Nadian Ifit. Assalamualaikum. Thank you both for joining me. Waalaikumsalam. for having us. Um, so to begin with, just out of curiosity, I'm going to ask you something that I like to, it's a question I like to ask friends and family. I'm always interested to know what their answers are going to be. Um, and I just wonder whether either of you are the type who remember a lot of your dreams or is it rare for you to remember a dream once you've woken up? Um, Nadia, if I could come to you first. Well, I will start by quoting a definition of dreams as successions of images, ideas and sensations occurring involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. The study of dreams is known as honorology, where scientists believe that everyone dreams, but people will tend to forget them when they naturally pass out of the sleep through the sleep cycle. If, for example, a person is working during REM sleep, that is rapid eye movement sleep, they are much more likely to remember their dream as their brain is more active in this state. During REM sleep, your eyes move around rapidly in a range of directions, but don't send any visual information to your brain. That does not happen in non-REM sleeping. As a student myself working in psychology, I can also bring in that dreams have been made sense of by many people, and one of the most famous theories is by Sigmund Freud, suggesting that dreams represent our unconscious desires, thoughts, wish fulfillments, and motivations. So according to Freud, people are driven by repressed and unconscious longings. Personally, myself, I struggle a lot to remember the dreams that I encounter. Some dreams leave quite the impression on me that I do end up remembering them. However, it is very rare for me to remember my dreams. There are times, too, when I forget a dream, and then after some time has passed, something in my surroundings trigger a forgetting, a forgetting dream that feels similar, something like the feeling of a deja vu. Mm, that's so interesting. I didn't realize that the point in our sleep at which we're woken up can potentially change whether or not we remember our dreams. Um, and what about you, Ifit? Do you find that you often remember your dreams or are you more likely to forget them? Yeah, uh, so firstly, Jazakia for having me. Um, before I answer your question, I would just like to explain the reason my voice is the way that it is. I'm very sorry, but I have a bit of a cold. So sorry to all the listeners at home as well. Um, <laughs> But this is a really fascinating question because um, it's not one that I'd really ever pondered about and I'm not actually sure what my answer to it is. I think I forget them more than I remember them. And then later in the day, something like Nadia, you said, or Nurse, how you also mentioned that something might randomly trigger that, like a memory of that dream from the night before. But then I definitely also have those dreams that I kind of remember immediately. And it's rare, but then it does kind of follow me around the whole day. And sometimes even the next few days, I do go back to thinking about it a lot. Um, and to be honest, these are sort of the dreams which have elicited some sort of strong reaction from myself, either an extreme sort of worry or uneasiness. And I'll be honest, I have that uneasiness quite a bit. Uh, but on the other hand, there, are, there have definitely been some dreams uh, which kind of elicit some sort of intense sense of comfort or positivity. Mm. Uh, now, I've also had this strange thing, and I'm not sure if I'm going to articulate it right or if anyone can relate, but... Uh, I hope so. Uh, but I will, ha I will randomly remember a dream that I had. And then I will suddenly remember it so vividly that I'm convinced it must have been from the night before. But then at the same time, it feels like a really old dream that I must have had months or even years before. And in which case, I suddenly wonder, well, why am I remembering this now? Uh, and it's this really strange moment where 
time has sort of walked and terms like yesterday and years ago kind of just blend into one another uh, and they become interchangeable because remembering that dream has disrupted my understanding of linear time so much. Uh, it hasn't happened often, but like it's very rare, but maybe two or three times in my life and it's a very strange feeling. Mm, that idea of warp time is so interesting and I think so often our dreams seem to function according to this set of laws, which is entirely outside of reality and absolutely what you're saying there as well about um this phenomenon happening once or twice but it seems from what you're saying that even then the feelings really stayed with you um so I wonder whether either of you I'll come to Nadia first but I wonder whether you've had a particular dream whether it's one you've had yourself or one someone you know has had one which you've had told to you as a kind of story is there a dream that's stayed with you over the years Yes, actually, there are quite many, but there is one that I really do remember quite vividly and clearly. It was a dream that I dreamt of when I was quite young, so I didn't have much aware of anything. So around 12 or 11 years old, I was um, around 11 or 12 at the time. So this dream consisted of being taken to like a garage-like prison with my entire family. And I remember sobbing to the police officers to let us go. It seems a little childish now that I think about it. But at the time, I remember waking up in my own tears and from that dream as well. I have no idea why or what this, what made me dream, dream of such an event. So dreams like these can sometimes be a sign and at times a warning. So this reminds me actually of an incident relating to His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, peace be upon him. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, where he had a dream concerning one of his books entitled Sama Jashme Arya. And he explained it as, and I quote, I lay down and saw in a state of light slumber that I had in my hands four pages of Surma Jashme Arya. I heard someone saying, the Arya people themselves are now publishing this book, end quote. So the Promised Messiah, um, peace be upon him, interpreted this dream saying, and I quote, Perhaps this means that the reluctance of the Aryas and their suspicions as regards my various prophecies, such as the one relating to Lichram, etc., would be removed and the real truth of the matter would reveal itself to them, end quote. So the remembrance of dreams is actually not that rare and can occur to when similar cues trigger the dream memory to resurface. I don't remember any other dreams from my childhood as I had done from the one mentioned above, and it mainly comes to mind when I'm around police stations. This is how I managed to keep that dream in my memory. Yeah, I also have had a couple of childhood nightmares that I woke up crying from that I can still recall today. I think at that age, it's quite a tender age. So it's formative. Yeah, so you those those can stay with you. Um, what about you, Ifit? Any dreams that have stayed with you? Yeah, so notice how this question again stumped me. <laughs> um, because uh, there are a few which have kind of stuck with me and some which I know that once I remembered them very vividly and fondly but now that you're asking me these questions I'm blanking and I'm forgetting certain details of those but I did have this dream about seven or eight months ago uh, which comes to mind because I'm not really sure what to make of it uh, and, I, and I know it might sound strange but it was more of this like otherworldly experience for me so in this dream I was lying on the floor of my living room and this the ceiling kind of just like breaks apart uh, not in a sort of violent or dangerous way, but it just kind of seems to kind of come undone. Uh, and and I see through this now like huge gaping hole in what used to be my ceiling is that uh, there's this brilliant blue sky 
almost like this mix of like cobalt and like navy blue with lighter blue streaks running through it. And then there's these planets which steadily align themselves. And they're also these really stunning bright colors of reds and yellows and purples. Uh, so not necessarily what colors planets actually are, although you do have some very lovely colored planets. Uh, and it was this really beautiful dream. And I'm not sure how or why my subconscious conjured up this image. And I mean, personally, I never really know if I should read too much into my dreams anyway. But I do like to trust the feeling that I get when I wake up from a dream. And this was one of those kind of, there was definitely like awe associated with this one. That's a really stunning image. And it's fascinating to hear from both of you. I mean, they're very different dreams, but the dreams that stay with us for one reason or another. Um, And I'm sure our listeners at home may also have their own dreams coming to mind, which have stayed with them over the years. Um, So dreams you know, they they have this capacity to stick with us. But throughout time and throughout different cultures, understandings and interpretations of dreams have changed. So I was wondering, is there a particular difference or even a particular similarity between the way people across cultures and times understand their dreams, which you could go into further detail about? If it- um, yeah, so, well, you both mentioned Sigmund Freud, right? So he's like the most popular name when it comes to <laughs> dreams uh, in like you know, 21st century Europe, you know, he's the guy we we know. Uh, so I'll, I'll stick with him for now. Um, and obviously, he's very much considered the father of modern psychoanalysis. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I came across an article which drew parallels between his idea of dreams as being an act of wish fulfillment, as you mentioned, Nadia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is when a desire or wish cannot be fulfilled in real life. So then our subconscious kind of conjures images in our sleep to provide us that satisfaction. Uh, an example might be, for example, if you've lost a loved one dear to you, uh, and you know you might see them or remember them in your dreams, and you know in in the dream they're still with you, and you know you're filled with the same emotion of love. Uh, but obviously, in real life, you know they've passed away. You you, you can't ever have that again. Uh, so that that is your mind fulfilling that wish, essentially, or that desire. Um, so a similar kind of parallel that I came across uh, was with Ibn Arabi, the great Islamic Sufi. Uh, who lived in the 13th and 14th century during the golden era of Islam. And he is now kind of being recognized to have actually written along very similar lines uh, about 800 years ago. Uh, And he explored the concept of uh, barzakh, which is mentioned in the Holy Quran as this intermediate state we enter after death, but remain in before the Day of Judgment. And he looked at this concept in a very metaphysical way and considered it a realm beyond the corporal and before the spiritual and it is a metaphysical reality, but is ultimately an imagination. And really importantly here, I'd like to clarify here that the realm of imagination has a huge significance in Ibn Arabi's thought, and it's not the same thing that we might dismissively call, oh, that's just your imagination, um, the way we do in common parlance. For him, dreams are a manifestation of this metaphysical reality where desires take form. So that again, that's like desires coming to life almost in, in these images. So today, scholars have started to make this link between Freud and the great Islamic thinker who lived 800 years ago. Uh, so you know that's one cultural comparison, you know, across both time and space, uh, which can uh, come to light. Uh, and, you know, and this is just one example of how the concept of dreams can be interpreted both similarly and differently. We've got 14th century Arab Sufis' ideas resurfacing in the works of a 20th century European philosopher's ideas. 
and they both take very different routes and have different methodologies, uh, but both arrive to a similar point about what gyms may be at their core. They both use different vocabularies and frameworks to understand it, but in the end, for both, gyms are and work of fulfilling desires that our material reality cannot provide us with. Uh, so, of course, there are differences in Differences are obviously implicated as well. For Ibn Arabi, dreams exist as a realm beyond the corporal understanding and therefore are a step much closer to God. For Freud, God really isn't present in the conversation and that's obviously a huge difference which has multiple implications. Uh, but I think there's still a lot to be considered in terms of how, despite these two very different approaches, both arrive to a similar conclusion. Mm. That is so fascinating. I have heard of Freud's concept of wish fulfillment, but I had no idea that Ibn Arabi was exploring the relationship between desires and dreams mm -hmm. in the i think you said 14th century yeah so um what about you nadia are there any particular cultures or religions which you find have a particularly uh, interesting approach to dream interpretation i wonder as well because i know you're a psychology student if you could um maybe go into the factors that might determine these interpretations a little bit yeah sure so dreaming comes directly from one's mind and the personal life of each individual so looking from a psychological point of view as well, dreams are a result of upbringing and culture of each individual, such as the language, custom, customs and practices of every person. Within different cultures and even religions, there are different ways people interpret dreams. For example, practitioners of the Tibetan Buddhism practice, dreaming um, what the Western world has named now the lucid dreaming. This dreaming is a meditative practice that includes mantras and is interpreted as entering a self, sense of self-awareness with oneself. Another example of differences between dreaming is found within the within culture and religion. So the Isbana people uh, live in Papua New Guinea in small forests and are mainly Christian missionaries. The Isbana take their dreams very seriously and believe that dreams are signs and evidence for the living about death, heaven, and spiritual conditions of, for hunting. Therefore, dreams uh, for the Asbana will have different interpretations than dreams for the Tibetan Buddhism. As regards in Islam, I would also like to mention an Urdu book by an Ahmadi Muslim historian, Molana Dos Muhammad Shahid. At the very start of this book, he explains that the science of dreams and their interpretations is mentioned in Surah Yusuf of the Holy Quran, termed as Tawil al-Ahadith, which is translated in English as interpretation of things. He goes, on saying, uh, he goes on saying this embraces a very wide scope in all the religions of the world, in particular Islam. In Islam, interpretation of dream has been given a noticeable uh, significance. So we read that from time immemorial dreams, have been considered a special means of conveyance in the divine message and commands to his creatures through which Allah imparts knowledge and wisdom to them. A great example of this is that it was through the, a dream that the prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, made his determination of sacrificing his eldest son Ismail, peace be upon him, and he in turn gladly accepted the divine command and prepared himself to be sacrificed at the hand of his own father. The whole life of prophet Joseph, uh, peace be upon him, revolves around dreams and their interpretations. The Islamic call to prayer, known as Azan, has its inception through a dream as well. We can see clearly that dreams have many interpretations and can be taken in many forms within many cultures and religions. So personally, I believe that there are many different understandings and interpretations of dreams within cultures. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear all these um, different understandings of dreams. 
uh, a few of which you've just touched on that. And I w- wonder, why do you think it is, uh, Nadia, that dreams have been such a consistent source of fascination for humans? So actually, dreams are very fascinating in many aspects. As mentioned above as well, they play a massive part in different cultures and religions in terms of their interpretations. So it is fascinating to experience and interpret dreams as well. They could also have been seen as fascinating considering that we have no control over them. So it is interesting to wonder how they come to us in our minds and how they really, how we remember those, how they sticks to us. Again, there are many theories revolving around dreams, which makes it very exciting to study. Earlier, I mentioned the theory of Sigmund Freud, and there are also other theories by many other wonderful researchers that suggest that dreams tell people about their purpose in life and can help us solve problems. A theory also suggests that dreaming is a sense of creativity as the mind wanders free and has limitless potential, whilst the awake mind is burdened with the realities of the real world. Scientific research itself has also improved to um, helped to improve this theory. Correct, as many people do successfully find their dreams as an inspiration and credit their dreams for the big eureka moments. There are more, more, many more theories um, in relation to why dreams are fascinating, from the way the brain works at the moment to the interpretations of the dreams themselves. I would like to turn so within Ahmadiyya Islam as well. Dreams are a source of fascination, considering that we come together in our community, accepting the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Allah Almighty sends His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him, of Guardian, who claimed to be the promised Messiah and Mahdi. His advent was foretold by the Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who was told by Allah about the promised Messiah, peace be upon him's coming, through a dream and, of course, in many other ways. So the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, himself had many dreams and revelations in the form of a dream from Allah. One of his dreams by Allah foretold the death of his father. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, rushed back to Guardian as soon as this dream occurred, and the very next day the dream had come true. In this sense, dreams are fascinating to study and learn about, especially for Muslims, because many revelations of the past have been foretold by dreams. Yeah, definitely. I think that's... Um a really apt point about uh, one of the reasons for our interest in dreams is because of these revelations and these eureka moments that have happened um, during dreams. And what about you, Ifeth? Uh, Why do you think we remain fascinated by dreams? Yeah, I mean, I think like the very existence of this conversation actually answers this question because essentially we're pondering over the fact that this is a universal phenomenon, right? And anything which can't fully be explained uh, is always going to be fascinating and in this case this is something that we're all experiencing and yet none of us can fully explain it so we're all going to be fascinated by it uh, and as you've demonstrated dreams can be thought of through so many different lenses whether it's through religious uh, lenses through folklore through science and psychology there's a lot to be said uh, you know about the refusal to be completely understood uh, and, and I think it's uh, the closest we get to combining the irrational with the rational. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find it quite fascinating how in dreams things just seem to make sense. So, for example, if I'm ever telling somebody about a dream that I had, I might say something like, so I was in my house, except it wasn't really my house. Uh, you know, you know, uh, it was a local supermarket, but in my dream it was my house. Hmm. You know what I mean, right? And, and everyone just kind of nods along, yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean, that happens in dreams. 
And things are just, you know, a given in our dreams and our dreams themselves just accept them. We don't feel the need to question them too much. And I, and I quite like that. It's, it's And it's also, you know, inspired a lot of artistic movements as well. So in Shakespeare and his contemporaries play, we often encounter the idea of a dream sequence where a dream is enacted with one of the characters, you know, whilst they remain asleep and then this whole sort of like act is played out. Uh, artistic movements like surrealism also pay a lot of attention to depicting the absurdity or irrationality of some dreams. And one of my favourite genres of literature is magic realism, which also explores the idea of what life would be like if these irrational things just happened in our reality and we just accepted them. So in art, literature, at least dreams, uh, and these moments of irrational happenings are used as a means to explore the meaningfulness of our, of our reality. So, you know, we use the irreality to explain reality. And, you know, and when that's placed in the opposition to the dream world, sometimes actually helps to highlight the absurdities of real life uh, that you may not pay heed to in our day-to-day -day life. So, and I think it's summed up quite well by uh, the French writer André Breton in uh, The Surrealism Manifesto. Can't the dream be used in solving the fundamental problems of life? Mm, that's a great quote. And I think that links nicely as well to what Nadia was saying earlier about dreams being a space of creativity where we're unburdened by life's realities, I guess yeah, you could say. So um, I want to go back to another thing Nadia was saying as well about um, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, Peace Beyond Him's dreams, which foretold of events that then took place in reality, such as the passing of his own father. Um, his Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, Peace Beyond Him, has explained, and this is a long quote, but I'm going to quote it in full. Uh, God Almighty has divided his wonderful universe into three parts. First, the world which is manifest and can be felt through the eyes and the ears and other physical senses and through ordinary instruments. Secondly, the world which is hidden and which can be understood through reason and conjecture. Thirdly, the world which is hidden beyond the hidden, which is so imperceptible that few are even aware of it. This world is entirely unseen and cannot be accessed by reason and theory alone. It is disclosed only through visions, revelation and inspiration, and not by any other means. He goes on to say, It is the way of Allah that for the discovery of the first two worlds we've mentioned, he has bestowed upon man different types of faculties and powers. In the same way, he has appointed a means for man to discover the third world, revelation, inspiration and visions. Indeed, those who comply with the conditions for achieving them have, throughout mankind's history, been recipients of true dreams and will continue to be." Unquote. So my question, if I can come to you, Nadia, is what is the distinction between dreams, visions and revelations? Um, how do we discern if something is a dream or a vision? So that's actually a very important question and at first I was really unsure how to answer that. But firstly, I'd like to take the focus on the word revelation. In view of many past experiences, revelation is a phenomenon arising from the subconscious. When the conscious mind is tired of pondering over a problem before falling asleep, during sleep, sol solutions can be found in the light of a revelation. As Muslims, we believe that all previous prophets of God received divine revelation, and of course the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a most frequent recipient of revelations from God. Among his countless revelations from Allah Almighty, one was about the advent of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Moving on to the time of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, himself, we see another example, which was the revelation of the promised son, who would be a reformer. After a period of intense worship of God in seclusion for 40 days, it was revealed to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, 
that God would grant him a son who would possess numerous qualities. Uh, it was also revealed that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community would experience exceptional progress during this era, during the era of this son, that is, of the promised reformer. And the world witnessed this come to pass in the first half of the 20th century in the person of His Holiness Muslim Aud. The Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, has explained the phenomenon of divine revelation, which in Islam we believe takes place via the Holy Spirit. And I quote, I tell you truly that every door can be closed, but the door of the descent of the Holy Spirit is never closed. Open the doors of your hearts so that it may enter into them. End quote. This also shows us that these revelations can be received by anyone, but further detail into this matter explains purification of the heart and different um, types of revelations and the correct ways to identify the one which I will not go into now as we do not have that much time for it. So my final point for this question is an extract from a question and answer session held by His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmed, the fourth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, where he explained, and I quote, According to our understanding of the concept of revelation, dreams are an expression of the same phenomenon. When you receive messages from him, him as in Allah, in a state of a dream, it is called a dream. When you receive messages from him in a state of a vision, it is called a vision. When you receive messages while you are fully awake and you hear sounds and voices, generally that is referred to as a revelation. But when I talk of revelation, I include all these things different, all these different things but only on the condition that there was a def definite message delivered by God, end quote. Thank you. All those uh, quotes are really interesting to kind of ponder on and, and think about more. Um, now, as we've heard in the report and as you've kind of touched on there, Nadia, as well, dreams can be given a lot of weight in Islam. So do you think this means that every dream a Muslim has is something they should take as a message from God? Personally, I don't think that every dream is a message from God. I think there is more to it than that. Listening to another question and answer session by His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him, we can see a lovely response to this question as well. Someone asked His Holiness how we are able to determine that a dream we have had on a given day is from God. His Holiness replied by saying, and I quote, Dreams from God have their own signs, which are fulfilled in due course, and sometimes they are in a language that cannot be understood by the person who has the dream. However, godly people who are well versed in the art of interpreting dreams can read them and their interpretation comes true. So the dreams from God have an inner quality and the person who sees a dream which is from God is also moved. He or she knows that something has happened, that this dream is not an ordinary, ordinary dream. And then in the events that follow, he or she begins to see the signs of its fulfillment, end quote. So furthermore, His Holiness goes on to explain an incident from the time of Prophet Joseph, peace be upon him. The incident is concerning the king of Egypt, where the king experienced a, a dream of seven healthy cows and seven weak cows. At the same time, the dream showed that there were seven ears of corn that were green and seven that hardly had any corn. Confused, the king asked Prophet Joseph, peace be upon him at the time, to interpret this dream. And the prophet explained how there will be seven years that will be good for the king and his land, and seven years that will not. Therefore, the plan was to work hard and harvest as much as possible in the seven years. And truthfully so, the dream did come true. Therefore, the dream was surely a sign from God. 
His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him, explained that dreams from God have an internal language and the people receiving this dream will be able to understand the dreams themselves. This is also what I believe in as well. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. Um, I think internal language is a really nice phrase um, and, and a way to think about dreams and, and their interpretation. Um, something that hasn't really been touched on so far in the report or in this episode uh, is the phenomenon of nightmares. Um, so just as with dreams, different cultures have different explanations and interpretations for nightmares. So in Slavic cultures, nightmares uh, could be the work of the evil spirit Kiki Mora, who would sit on a person's chest at night. Um, in Hindu mythology, in the seventh chapter of Agni Purana, there is the suggestion that nightmares may predict bad luck. So I wonder if we could uh, look in a bit more depth at the phenomena of nightmares. What is the scientific explanation? Is there an Islamic one? Uh, Nadia, I'll come to you first. So actually, this is a very important point, and even I have been fascinated by this myself. So as I said earlier as well, there are many interpretations of dreams and even nightmares. However, there are very few explanations for nightmares within the scientific field. The certain fact is that, like dreams, nightmares occur during REM sleep, as we mentioned before, is rapid eye movement during the cycle of sleep at night. One of the main theories suggests that there could be several factors to an increased likelihood of experiencing nightmares. These factors are triggers such as stress, anxiety, trauma, sleep deprivation, certain medication, drug misuse, and watching or reading too many scary books and movies. This is the science behind the nightmares. As for the Islamic perspective, we read in a book by the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed, entitled Way of the Seekers, that the, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, said that cheerful dreams proceed from God and frightening dreams proceed from Satan. So since the impact of dreams on the mind is undeniable, he warned that we should not be afraid of frightening dreams since their source is satanic. So this certainly does not mean that every dream of that kind is satanic, as prophets of God too have such dreams. So we read that the idea is that if there is a multiplicity of dreams of this kind, to the total or near total exclusion of hope-inspiring dreams, it should be pre presumed that they are satanic in nature. So the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sought to remove fear from the hearts of Muslims. There is, however, the risk that a person who dreams such dreams may have a true dream for once, uh, for once and dismiss it to his loss as, as satanic. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings on him, uh, be upon him, has also pointed the way out. He said, when, a, when a Muslims experience a dream of this nature, they should turn over to their left side and spit out and recite this Arabic phrase, La hola wa la quwwata illa billah which translates in English as there is no power to avoid sin or to do good except the, through Allah. The point here is a subtle one. Uh, when we spit at something, actually or figuratively, we mean to reject it as unworthy of our attention. By his guidance to spit out the Holy Prophet peace and blessings be upon him has inspired Muslims with courage and hope. There is every possibility that among many such dreams, one may on occasion be true. The recitation taught by him, therefore, very significant as it provides an occasion to seek divine forgiveness and strengthen trust in God and the symbolic rejection safeguards against the evil effects of satanic dreams. 
In one of his finest sermons as well, a few years ago, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, reminded us that before going to bed, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to recite the text of the verse of the Holy Quran entitled as Ayatul Kursi and the last three chapters of the Holy Quran. Looking into this, I read that these verses are not recited like a charm. They deal with the most sublime attributes of God and as such deeply impress the mind of the individual. Contemplation of these divine attributes purifies and elevates the soul. One seeks protection from God um, from all evil ideas and mischievous things. This practice, if intelligently carried out, becomes a great source of moral strength. It's really thought-provoking to hear about um, these Islamic measures or... I guess you could say safeguards uh, against bad dreams. What about you, Ifa? Do you have uh, anything to add about nightmares? <laughs> yeah, I think this is such an interesting question, Rosaho, uh, because one of my favorite paintings is called The Nightmare, and it's by uh, an artist called Henry Fuseli. Uh, and it's one of the most horrifyingly captivating paintings I've ever seen. And you can Google it. It's like this demon-like figure sitting on a sleeping woman's chest. And on the right side of the background, this is black horse or mare, which is a truly demonic expression it's terrifying <laughs> uh, but i think it's a fascinating painting because through this medium of visual art produced in the 18th century we're seeing both the women sleeping but also the seeing the subconscious terrorizing her her in her slumber and sleep and dreams are very strong themes for fuseli uh, and he also painted the moment of joseph interpreting the dreams as well which is of course a, a moment that's already been mentioned in this episode so you might be interested to know about that as well this painting specifically, The Nightmare in particular, I think is so interesting because to us this may seem like folklore or just like a really dramatic representation of what sleep paralysis and uneasy dreams might feel like. But actually for a really long time this was the rational explanation of nightmares. You know, you ask about the scientific explanation of nightmares and whilst today we might, you know, have a quite a psychoanalytic approach to this, you know, Nadia, like you mentioned, looking at the stress factors or other ways such as having a heavy meal before going to bed might cause nightmares. Uh, there was once you know, a time where the ideas of demons and supernatural creatures interrupting our sleep with nightmares or other feelings of distress, maybe difficulty breathing, you know, that was the logical explanation. You know, for example, sleep paralysis is something that a lot of people have experienced. Uh, and a few months ago, I also experienced it one night. And after that, I had trouble falling asleep uh, for a long time. So I started reading up on it. And, and, you know, quite surprised to learn that actually scientists still aren't sure why this happens. There are some very strong theories, uh, uh, definitely, but it did just go to show that there's so much about sleep that, you know, and what we experience in that, in that moment of unconsciousness that we just still can't fully explain. As for the Islamic explanation, I can't really say for sure, but, but dreams, you know, can be relied on as an indicator for future plans. So, for example, there's a phenomenon of istikhara, which is seeking divine guidance when one is to make plans concerning their future. Uh, you know, there is a prescribed prayer for this, and there is general understanding that during this time one may have a dream, or many indicating a positive or negative inclination. It isn't necessary to have a dream, I would like to clarify, uh, and I believe that the istikhara could perhaps just produce a positive or feeling generally within oneself, which may guide your decision-making process. But I suppose this case of a negative, or to use the word term, nightmarish dream, might be a reason to push one to trust a gut instinct. So uh, I'll, I'll give an example. It's a very personal one. Uh, so, you know, something that I would like to clarify. It's not at all something that is necessarily applicable to everyone. But a few months ago, uh, but my family and I were on the cusp of making quite an important decision. Uh, and around the same time, my mother was having a series of bad dreams. 
We were fortunate enough to have a private audience with His Holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, in which we spoke to him of this decision. And my mother did mention that she had been having some bad dreams, to which then His Holiness told us not to pursue this particular decision. Not that all bad dreams are always definitely 100% indicated to stop you from making a certain decision. But for our family and in our unique situation, His Holiness was very benevolent to give us that guidance. And, you know, and from this personal experience, I certainly learned that there is a certain amount of trust that we should give to our dreams and the feelings that are associated with them. All of this being said, I think it is also vital to note that there is a hadith and a prayer regarding nightmares. So, Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr, uh, Allah be pleased with him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that if someone is scared in sleep and offers him this prayer, nothing will harm him. Hazrat Abdullah, may Allah be pleased with him, made his children memorize this prayer. Hazrat Malik bin Anas, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates that Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be pleased with him, used to have nightmares, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, taught him this prayer, and I will quote, I seek refuge in God's complete and perfect words from his wrath, his chastisement, the evils with which in his mankind satanic insinuations and that I might confront those things. End quote. I think it's an important takeaway from this is that whether or not there is any quote-unquote explanation for nightmares. You know, it is one thing which we may or may never fully understand, but we do know that even in the dream world, it is wise to seek protection from Allah the Almighty. Mm. Thank you for that, Ifrit. It's really intriguing to think about how little we actually know about certain elements of yeah, our sleep especially because would... we're all doing it every single night yeah without fail like yeah. that's the one thing we can all relate to yeah, it's yeah. At least, like, you'd no think problem. we'd have figured it out by yeah, now but yeah <laughs> um but yeah as muslims it's comforting to know that we have these prayers to turn to um now to go back to something that's been touched on earlier in the show we have heard uh, various points about some of the amazing discoveries that have been made during dreams. So the 19th century chemist, August Kekle, for example, had a dream which resulted in a scientific breakthrough regarding the structure of benzene. What could be the explanation for such a phenomenon, do you think, Nadia? Let us look into what this breakthrough was exactly. We read in the book entitled Revelation, Rationality, Knowledge and Truth by His Holiness Mirza Dahir Ahmed, and I will quote, in 1865, a German chemist, um, excuse my pronunciation, Friedrich August Kekulé, was struggling to solve a problem in, the, in chemistry that had baffled all researchers. One night, Kekulé had a dream in which he saw a snake with its tail held in its mouth. This dream instantly put him on the right track, leading to the solution to the perplexing question. Thus was unraveled the secret of the molecular behavior in certain organic compounds, a discovery that created a revolution in the understanding of organic chemistry. He interpreted this dream to mean that in the benzene molecule, carbon atoms bond together to form a ring structure. This knowledge gave birth to the huge and highly developed field of synthetic organic chemistry, producing a vast new range of synthetic materials. The contemporary pharmaceutical industry has become growingly independent on synthetic drugs. Mankind is indeed indebted to that one dream, which Kekule resolved in that problem. In view of many such experiences, one of the possible explanations that comes to mind is the phenomenon arising from the subconscious. When the conscious mind is tired of pondering over intriguing problems before falling asleep, it transfers those problems to the subconscious. During sleep, the subconscious keeps reflecting on the data fed into it and finally computes the much-needed solution. 
Sometimes the solutions may be perceived through visions and sometimes heard in the form of verbal messages. It may well be argued that all the necessary pieces of information needed for the resolution of those problems were already in the conscious mind, the subconscious only proving to be a more powerful tool for synthesizing such information in some mysterious manner. Is this then the sum total of the entire human experience of inspirational revelation, or are there other forms that lie beyond the scope of mental processes alone? The major religions of the world believe that their prophets, and also many other holy men, received revelation from an external source called God. Others consider this to be a mistaken inference, and do not accuse them or of willful fraud since they could generally have mistaken a purely internal experience for a message received from an external source. But if this was so, then the foundations of all, of all the so-called divine religions would be on very shaky ground. The truth of such claims could only be proved if ample external evidence supports it. His Holiness Mirza Dahir Ahmed then goes on to give detailed explanation of this line in the book, and I highly recommend that anyone interested should read it. It is available online on alislam.org. I will just add one quote of His Holiness regarding this, which gives the Islamic explanation very briefly. He writes, Man's mind is provided with all the mechanisms needed to receive or create such impressions, but God also, whenever he deems fit, may directly operate this psychic mechanism. Wow, that is such a fascinating quote. Thank you, Nadia. Um, as you're kind of saying, uh, their attitudes to dreams and their contents can fluctuate between understanding them as a reflection of the subconscious mind or c as um, communication with God or even as completely meaningless fancies which take place when you're asleep. Uh, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be on him, in outlining the importance of righteousness, has advised his followers, quote, Miracles and revelations are also branches of righteousness. The actual root is righteousness. Therefore, do not be obsessed with revelations and dream. Rather, strive persistently to attain righteousness. Unquote. So, how much weight and attention do you think we should be giving to our dreams? Um, with everything we've heard and discussed today, if it, how important are dreams really? Yeah, I think this is uh, such an important question to address because I think there's definitely a lot of a temptation to give a lot of importance to dreams. Uh, and of course, you know, as we've established in the last hour or so, true dreams certainly are a phenomenon that uh, people have experienced. And as I said earlier, you know, sometimes a dream might push, you know, some sort of gut instinct which should, you know, be listened to. However, the Prophet Messiah on whom be peace is the words which you just quoted tell us that all we need to know about the matter actually. Uh, you know, whilst they certainly do possess great weight and an individual who regularly sees true dreams is likely to be considered righteous, it is not the only mark of righteousness either and therefore should not be the goal towards which we strive. Instead, we should strive towards attaining righteousness through our practices and if in the meantime we are blessed enough to see a dream which we see is then fulfilled in some form or other, yeah, then that's our good fortune and Allah's blessings. Yeah, I agree. If it, uh, Nadia, what do you think? Firstly, I can't believe that we're almost at the end of our discussion. Time flew by so fast. Dreams are definitely important. In my opinion, dreams help us escape from realities and enter our own fantasy world. And considering some of the things that we have learned today, there are so many dreams that can help us unconsciously. And when we are stressed, we communicate with, our, with prayer and may be also through our dreams to Allah Almighty to help ease our worries. 
As we have discussed today in Islamic dreams, visions and revelation are closely linked with spirituality. But as we have also learned, it is just as important to remember not all dreams are of religious nature. Although it is an established fact that many pious and spiritual Muslims are guided by Allah through dreams. So in that sense, dreams are very important. But it should also be said that not all pious and spiritual Muslims necessarily are recipients of dreams to guide them. This does not diminish their spiritual rank, however. Allah has many ways of communicating with his pious people. So it is important that as practicing Muslims, we follow the guidance that our religion gives us in the Holy Quran. The Holy Prophet's peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's practices or sunnah and his sayings called a hadith and try and be good people rather than fuss over who has true dreams and who does not. As your quote of the Prophet's Messiah, peace be upon him, says, the actual root is righteousness. And on that note, I think it's time to wrap up as we've come to the end of the show. Jazakallah to my guests, Ifit Mirza and Nadia Ahmed, for that fascinating discussion. I find this topic so interesting and you've both given me so much new information about dreams and so much to think about. So thank you. Uh, thank you as well to Gudzia Ahmed for the report. And thank you, the listener, for joining us for today's episode. I hope it's also given you food for thought. And maybe you can ask some of your friends and families about their feelings on dreaming and dream interpretation. Dreams, then, are a compelling force, the experience of which has united humanity across the boundaries of culture and time periods. Through dreams, people have experienced the divine, made groundbreaking discoveries, predicted the future, or simply been able to better grasp their own emotions. However much the world around us may change, our dreams remain a personal occurrence that deliver us tales which can be confusing, amusing, scary, joyous, or sad. How we choose to interpret them is up to us. You have been listening to Faith and Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station produced by Mrs. Shermeen Butt. Please tune in again next time for more information and discussion. I have been your host, Nurissa Har Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. <laughs>